0: Salute. Slancha.
1: Cheers.
2: Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and events with your guide, master of mixology, and Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. So sit back and get ready to stir it up. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on 570 KBI.
3: Hello, hello. That's right. It is Happy Hour Radio. Welcome, everybody. Another great day to be here in studio for the Northwest's best happy hour on radio. I am your humble host, your weekend wine guy, your spirited guide, cocktail commodore and fresh food fanatic, Christopher Chan. Let's welcome our broadcast engineer and man of the people, Kevin Dodrill. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. How are you, Christopher? Oh, it's happy hour. I couldn't be any better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you arrived thirsty, my friend. Um, I'd like to welcome back all of our listeners who joined us last week for Happy Hour Radio and for those who are just tuning in. Welcome to the tastiest hour of talk on radio featuring the best, latest, greatest wines and wineries, spirits, cocktails, Fresh food, bubbles, beers, wine education, and events around the Puget Sound. Can we pack all of that in an hour? You bet we can. If you want to play along at home, visit us. Check us out at happyhourradio.net. That's happyhourradio.net. Send us a question or a riddle or you have a problem with a wine pairing or what to serve at your party. All it takes is an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. We'll chat about it on the show. You'll meet us here every Saturday at 11 on KVI 570. So I'm really excited about our second show. This is still kind of a debut month, right? We're talking, um, we've got some great guests here. First of all, we'll be talking about collectible wines with my friend Ken Avedizian from Cordon Selections. We're going to talk about a, a very cool French food and wine organization called La Chaine de Rotessure with uh, the Bailly, Robert Cugini. Talk about some spirits from my main man, Lenny Reddy, at Esquin Wine and Spirits down on 4th and Lander. And right now, it's my pleasure to uh, chat with uh, a Walla Walla original. Um, My Winery of the Week guest is a rock star, uh, (laughs) a wine star, winemaker, and general manager of Waters and 21 Grams Winery. Please welcome Jamie Brown to Happy Hour. What's up, Christopher Chan? Jamie, welcome. Good to see you, my man. Thanks for having me. This is so cool. So uh, week two, I, I, I see that you got the the Seahawk blue on. Me too. We're uh, still I, celebrating. I am bleeding it, man. That's it, man. We, I think it's like the New Year. You can say Happy New Year all month in January. You can say Happy Super Bowl all month in February. That's right. It's been so long. So um, you're a Walla Walla guy, huh? I am indeed. You don't smell like onions, do you? Not until June. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So, um, winemaker and general manager of Waters Winery and 21 Grams. So, let's talk about Waters Winery first. Where Where'd that name come from?
4: Well, it comes from uh, the Native American dialect of uh, Water Water, Walla Walla. A place so nice. They must have named it twice.
3: They named it twice. (laughs) And uh, the 21 Grams Winery, very cool name. Yeah.
4: Same location? Yep. All right. Indeed.
3: Um, so, what does Waters Winery specialize in? What kind of wines are you making out there?
4: You know, we mostly are known for Rhone varietals like Syrah. We do a little bit of everything, um, but I'd say mostly we're known for kind of getting out of the way and making wines that are food friendly first. Food friendly first.
3: Uh, you make white wines, at red wines? A little bit of white, mostly red. Okay. Yeah. And I see you brought two red wines for us to try and talk about. What do you got there?
4: I did. I had our uh, Bordeaux-style blend, which is a red wine blend called Interlude, and a uh, Syrah single vineyard specific called Forgotten Hills. Forgotten Hills. So um, a Bordeaux blend for everybody at home listening, what does that mean? That would mean it was traditional Bordeaux varietals, which are Cabernet, Merlot... Petit Verdot, Malbec, and Cabernet Franc. And we use some variation of those. Uh-huh. And so Bordeaux is uh, in France, which
3: is in the Aquitaine, the lower left hand corner, looking at mm-hmm. the map. And that's where they make a, really good wine. It's <laughs> true. And we are also on the same parallel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you can check that out. We could Google map it and you can see uh, you know, where you would live if you lived in your house in Washington and your house in France. Kind of the same thing. That's correct. So a Bordeaux blend. Um, what's
4: in the Interlude 2011? It would be 61 Merlot, 14 Cabernet Sauvignon, 14 Malbec, and 11 Petit Verdot. And how long have you been making this wine? This has been made since 2004. Okay, so this is the I can't do eighth the math. vintage, right? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I only have 10 fingers. I can't count on them. Um,
3: so- uh, 2011, how was that vintage? Are you all Walla
4: Walla or do you sort of blend wines from different areas? I treat it like cooking, so I go out and get what I like the best. So we're about half Walla Walla and half outside the valley. But in 11, we had a little bit of a frost issue, so this particular wine is a little bit more uh, heavy on the outside of the valley. Uh, so um,
3: we can find you at com and grams. 21grams. 21gramswine.com. If you want to do us some Twitter out there, if you like the Twitter sphere, uh, it's at waterswinery. And. Uh, we're talking with Jamie Brown here on Happy Hour Radio, uh, the winemaker and general manager of Waters Winery, 21 Grams. So uh, these Forgotten Hills Syrah, where's
4: Forgotten Hills? It's in Walla Walla, a little bit of an elevated site towards the Blue Mountains. So cool climate, um, doesn't really get uh, too ripe for me, which I think is important in style choice. Um, you know, a little bit more uh, maybe a wine that smells like food and not fruit.
3: Hmm. It smells like food, like pizza? Yeah. Like bacon. Yeah, bacon and uh, <laughs> mushrooms
4: and um,
3: other savory items. It's happy hour. We want some happy hour food. We're <laughs> going to talk about that. We'll be coming up with uh, some good stuff to serve here in our studio. Uh, so, Forgotten Hills, is that. Um, what side of Walla Walla is that on?
4: That would be due east, I think. Maybe on the northeast side, if you consider that the Appalachian moves down a third of the Appalachian, is it actually in Oregon? Can you believe that, people? There's some trivia for you. I've got a wine from Oregon. What? That's, oh. What? No, that's Walla, it's Walla Walla, but as you know, Appalachians are not defined by state lines. They are natural boundaries. Natural boundaries. And Walla Walla is a good place to be growing grapes. Uh, I know that
3: uh, um, I love some Syrahs coming out of there of a place called The Rocks. Do you have any wines down from that way? I have
4: a new one called Old Stones. It'll be out this fall that is from The Rocks. Old Stones. That sounds like a song. And you're a guitar player, true? Um, I fake it. (laughs) Wait, that's my job. I
3: got the air guitar here, pal. I got the title. I just don't got the hair, and you got the hair. I still got the hair. (laughs) So... um, should I be drinking the Interlude now or the Forgotten Hills now? I see one's twenty eleven and one's twenty twelve. What's going to be approachable? And should I are they worth cellaring?
4: Yeah, I think they're both always good Washington wines are worth cellaring. But Interlude was designed to be drinkable now. I think Forgotten Hills is maybe more of a cellar wine that's only going to improve with age. Yeah. And uh, do you submit your wines to some of those uh, magazines and stuff? Yeah, we go out to
3: uh, Spectator and uh, Advocate and the like for sure. That's cool. Um, talk about your winemaking style. Would you be considered a classic? Um, I don't know. I don't know.
4: How do you even define what what kind of wines you make? You know, I grew up uh, exposed to both American and European wines, and I always valued sort of the balance of it all. So I think, uh, from a winemaker standpoint, I try to trust what I do, and you know, in terms of choosing sites and vineyards and whatnot, and then uh, get out of the way. Um, you no, know, not try to put too much on top of what's already there.
3: I like it. It's all about balance. In fact, um, if you're playing at home, balance is one of those wine words that you want to use often. If you have a great wine, it's going to be balanced, typically. And uh, balance is important uh, in all of our lives. You know, you've got to balance work and play and driving and not driving and um, drinking some wine. So uh, next winery is 21 grams. Tell me about this. That's peculiar.
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a different wine. It's a small lot wine that I do with an artist out of New York named Makoto Fujimura pioneered an art form called Nahanga, at least as a modern art, and we do uh, sort of the pick of the litter wine. This gets made first with the best lots, and then we make the rest of the wines after that.
3: And this is the only wine you produce out of 21 grams, Correct. right? Correct, and it is always a Cabernet-based blend. That's a very cool label. So, uh, me. Makoto Fujimura. Makoto Fujimura is the artist who designed the label. I love that label. Yeah, that's awesome. And he that's does it every year. You can find that at 21grams.com? 21gramswine.com or makotofujimura.com. Oh, uh, love it. Um, here on Happy Hour Radio, chatting with my friend Jamie Brown, winemaker and general manager of Waters Winery and 21grams Winery. You can find those online. He has a winery in Walla Walla, so if you're out visiting, be sure to stop by and say hi. Um, we're going to come back and chat a little more about 21 and uh, what he thinks about uh, the future of Washington wine um, on Happy Hour Radio at 570 KVI AM.
0: Looking for fresh marketing ideas? Find them with Christopher Chan and Happy Hour Radio. Just click happyhourradio.net and connect with him today. That's happyhourradio.net. And stay tuned for Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan, right here on 570 KVI.
5: Today, my new dad threw a barbecue. Today, my new son and I threw a barbecue.
1: There were burgers and chicken.
5: I burnt everything. The burgers, the chicken, the salad. Ah, They were delicious. They were awful.
1: And then, and then we had watermelon. <laughs>
5: I'm allergic to watermelon.
1: And then we played catch. I broke Mr.
5: Lewis's window. Mrs. Wakeham's window. Mrs. Wakeham's windshield. And then, somehow, my hand. My
6: hand!
1: <laughs> and then my dad even let me drive his car. The hospital's on the right!
2: It was a rough day.
1: It was a great day.
2: You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Time for another round. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio, Seattle's most spirited hour of talk with Seattle sommelier Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour. That is me, Christopher Chan, your
3: weekend wine guy in Sommelier. Um, we had a great show here on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, right now we're chatting with Jamie Brown, winemaker of Waters and 21 Grams. But coming up next, we've got, uh, the Collector's Corner with my friend Ken Abadizian from Cordon Selections. And we're going to talk about some fresh food with Robert Cugini and finish the show with Spirits in the Sky. Uh, segment with Lenny Reddy of Esquin Wine and Spirits. But back to Jamie. Jamie, um, tell me about 21 Grams. Uh, that name sounds very peculiar, familiar, and different. What?
4: Where'd that come from? You know, it was a, a late night uh, fire session. Uh, we came up with the name, and we did the same thing we thought most people. Haven't we? Isn't that the, the thing about the, you know? And then yes, it is the uh, hypothetical weight of your soul that you lose when you die.
3: Wow, talk about going on a diet. Jeez, 21 <laughs>
4: grams, and you, <laughs> that's it, huh? Yeah.
3: So around the fireplace, eh? Hey, uh, the fire pit, was that before or after Kumbaya? I think that might have been about 3 a.m. <laughs> well after we put the kids <laughs> to sleep. Uh, so
4: 21 Grams Winery makes one wine out of the best lots, and this is a Cabernet blend, you said? Always a Cabernet-based blend, and then kind of a feel wine. After that, we start thinking about what's going to make it 21 Grams. And this, uh, the
3: vintage of the one you're showing me with that beautiful label?
4: 2010. 2010. And what
3: vintage would that be for uh, 21 Grams wines? 4th, 5th. That would be the 6th. 6th? Yeah. Okay. can't wait to try it. When should we drink it? Is it avail is it uh, approachable
4: now or do I have to wait and make sure that it's uh has some cellar time? I think uh, all the wines I make are at least approachable now, but this would be the one that if you're going to hold on to for a while and and uh, you know do that whole thing, I would hold on to it as long as you can. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. As long as you can stand it. <laughs> well, it's a pretty label. Uh, and what's the backside look like? It's hard to read. We're focusing on the art. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I would say that this is an integrity of art project. Um, Makoto Fujimura is fantastic. Presidential Council on the Arts. um, Only fine arts artist to ever perform at Carnegie Hall in New York City. So he's the real deal. Very
3: cool. Well, he does some amazing stuff. that labels any... example of his fine work I I like it a lot Um, so overall you've got 10 wines with Waters yeah okay and one wine with 21 grams and we can find these at fine restaurants and bars etc what about Esquin can I buy that at Esquin you can certainly
4: find that at Esquin
3: Esquin Wine and Spirits Fourth and Lander check it out Um, hey I've had a great time and thanks for sharing Waters Winery and 21 grams speaking with Jamie Brown did you have a good time
4: I had a fantastic time we'll get
3: you back and uh, we'll have to crack some of those wines open but before you go one last question What do you see? I want you to talk about the crystal ball. What do you see in the Washington's wine future?
4: You know, I think we have a unique opportunity to create regional typicity. And what I mean by that is most areas are renowned for one varietal. Uh, And I think Washington, even though it's a slower road, we're going to have more uh, regional varietal things that people finally, you know, kind of figure out. Wawa is kind of known as Syrah right now. I think we're going to see more regions around the state develop that way over time. And I think it's going to be fantastic in terms of... uh, Overall, uh, you know, representation of Washington State in the in the world of wine.
3: I would agree. Yeah, we're still a young, such a young wine industry with forty plus years, and um, we're still making some world class wines and. Uh Waters Winery and 21 Grams are two examples of great winemaking and great wineries here. So be sure to visit Walla Walla. Stop by, say hi to Jamie Brown. Um, Thanks for being here today, Jamie. And coming up next, uh, we're going to chat with uh, Ken Avedesian of Cordon Selections. For all those collectors out there, if you want to know what to talk about, what to keep, what to buy, and what to share with your friends for a long time, um, this is what we're going to chat with. Jamie Brown, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it. Ken Avedesian Ken from Cordon Selections. Um, you have a wine distributor, and how did that come about?
7: Well, Cordon's been around for like eleven years. In March, it'll be our twelfth our year anniversary. We um, are a, a distributor of wines from all around the world. So we have a we have a, a good portfolio of wines from Washington State, and we also import wines from around the world.
3: Fantastic. So, how many wines would you say you've had uh, in your portfolio?
7: At any one point in time, we probably have seven hundred and fifty plus individual wines in the warehouse.
3: And you have uh, you brought two examples of uh, world class wines that would benefit from age in the
7: cellar. Um, which was your first wine here? Well, the first one I brought was a brand new producer, a young guy from Piedmont, Alessandro Veglio, and um, he's got uh, started in nineteen ninety five and has just. 12 little acres in the Lamora region in Piedmont that he does a, a, a couple different wines. But I brought his 2009 Barolo Gattara, which is a single vineyard um, Barolo that he's making. Okay,
3: are you speaking Italian? Because there's a lot of words there. I don't know if our listeners know what they're talking about. First of all, we're in Piedmont, which is in Italy. It's in the Italy. And the upper left, that's where you put the clip on, the thigh high, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Top left of the boot, correct? That's right. And Piedmont, and that means it's uh, Italian for foothills?
7: Yes. Yeah,
3: very good. <laughs> and Barolo, is that a, a wine? Is that a place?
7: Barolo is a considered a region in Italy that is um, typically known for the... Uh, Nebbiolos that that come out of that region. That's so a great. So Barolo is a is is a is a region made from Nebbiolo grape in Italy. And
3: Nebbiolo, Nebbiolo that means the fog. Ooh, spooky, scary, right? <laughs> nebbiolo. Um, so we are in Italy. We're at the foothills in Piedmont, and we're talking about both a region and a town. There's a town of Barolo, correct? There is. A town yep. Of and the wine is made from Nebbiolo grapes, and that's a red grape. Perfect. So this producer is a young guy with twelve guy. acres. You said. Yep.
7: All right. And it's a 2009 Barolo Guterra. So it's a single vineyard that is old vines that that have been planted for 60-plus years. Wow. That's older than him. It is older than him, significantly (laughs) older than him. That's kind of a trip. So um, when we talk
3: about Barolo wines, what's the profile we're looking for, and why do you want to age it? Why does it benefit from age?
7: Barolo... Typically, is a is a is a wine that's got a lot of body and structure, and so giving a little bit of aging tends to start to marry all the flavors and the tannins over time. Um, younger wines tend to be more tannic, and as you get a little bottle age on them, they the tannin chains start getting kind of long, and they get smoother and supple, and you can as as they age, you start. You start getting that balance you talked about before. Yes. Balance young, balance old is kind of a, a hallmark that, that I think of when I look for wines to age.
3: Okay, so we're talking about Barolo, and Barolo can be bright and tannic. When we talk about tannins, for all of our listeners at home, we're talking about, pretend you're drinking iced tea and you leave the iced tea bag in there too long. It becomes bitter, right, and dry. It can be bitter. That's tannin. Tannin's also in grape skins and grape seeds and grape
7: stems, and so the barolo wine has a lot of tannin because that's the grape right it's partially the grape partially it's the style of utilizing you know the the skins and stems in the production process as well so depending on the house style you know how much of that tannin you end up in the final product is is kind of variable depending on the producer.
3: Because what we all want to talk about is how smooth the wine is, right? How, the, how beautiful the, fl- the fruit is and the flavors and everything's mm mm, mm good, right? In the yeah. mouth. And uh, yeah, so Barolo takes some time. And uh, the way they make it, um, it's meant for aging. And I've, I've heard of Barolos lasting for 50 years or so. Is that true?
7: Barolos age beautifully, particularly from strong vintages and great producers in terms of how they play out in their their individual winery, the style that that, that that they make of the wine. So, But typically, yes, Barolos are are built for aging. Okay,
3: and tell us the producer one more time.
7: Alessandro Veglio.
3: Alessandro Veglio. I like it. It sounds Italian.
7: It, it does sound Italian.
3: <laughs> we are here talking with Ken Abedizian of Cordon Selections here in our collector's corner and uh, chatting about uh, Alessandro... Veglio. Veglio, 2009 Barolo. Um Ken also brought another wine, but before we get to that wine, which is a red burgundy, um, let's take it real simple, because I know we're probably talking a little 35,000 feet over the head of some of our listeners, so let's just chat about, it's a French wine, it's a, from this region, we'll start in that aspect. But I can't wait, um, where can I find that wine? Can we find it at Esquin?
7: You can find this wine at Oh
3: my goodness, wow, sounds like Esquin's the place to be for everything you need <laughs> in the world of happy hour wine. Um, all right, so... What does that run?
7: That Barolo would cost. The Barolo runs probably about sixty-two dollars or so retail.
3: Oh yeah, so I would sit that down. I, so my philosophy on on aging wines is always buy three, because you can drink the first one and know what it tastes like within that first year or so. And then you can wait for the other two to mature. And then when you open up the second one, you still have a chance to say, oh, okay, it's not quite yet, or I have to drink it. So always buy wines in three. If you're a collector, or six, or twelve, and I don't think the winemakers will, will mind that at all. Um, our next wine is uh, from France, right? It is. And it's a red wine.
7: From... It is also a red wine from Burgundy, Burgundy, Burgundy region.
3: Okay. And tell us about that.
7: So, again, this is a very small producer, um, Domaine de Croix. It's a young winemaker um, who has a business partner. And David Croix is about 35 years old. And they are all a steak grown fruit. So he's got some vineyards in Beaune, which is a town in Burgundy in the Côte de Beaune region. And the one that we're talking about is a Premier Cru wine from the Père toiseau vineyard. Wow. You're, sp- you're speaking French. I am speaking French. <laughs> but So uh, Burgundy wine, the red wine is Pinot Noir. Yeah. Burgundy is really easy. You know, it, it was very complicated for me until I went over there and actually got a chance to walk the vineyards and really taste and understand it. But to make it simple, red wine in Burgundy is Pinot and white wine in Burgundy is Chardonnay. That's 99% of what you get. You just get the individual village nuances and variances variances between the, the vineyards and the places. Other than that, it's very simple. So
3: we'll post these wines on the website so everyone have a chance to uh, to see what we're talking about if they can't understand French or Italian, like I can't sometimes. And there are wines. <laughs> is this wine available at Esquin as well?
7: Um, yes, that wine is. Wow, available Wow, it's hitting
3: as well. home runs here. We got Waters Winery. We've got uh, Alessandro's wine. And tell me the producer of the red Burgundy. Domaine de Croix. Domaine de Croix. Okay, I like that. Um, so Pinot Noir in Burgundy, um, you called it a Premier crew. So I know for the, for all the history or the the wine aficionados out there and just starting, there's like five kinds of uh, wine. There's wine table wine or Van just de Paye,
7: Van de Pay, correct. And then there's there's a, a base Burgonia. Okay, so basically a regional wine. Uh, b- b- Burgundy wine Burgonia means it can be. Anywhere within the Burgundy region, so uh-huh. it can cross village lines, but it's all going to be still Pinot. Okay, and then from there, you 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 can step up to um, village level wines that the vineyards are located within a village, so they can have the name of the village on the label, such as. Such as uh, Maurice Saint-Denis. Gervais you know, Chambertin. Gervais Chambertin, Chambault Moussigny. Vaughan Right, but it's just village level, which means all the grapes had to come from that place. Okay,
3: so we've got wines from Washington. We've got wines from Puget Sound. We've got wines from West Seattle. And now our next step is what? Premier Crew? <laughs> and so now we have wines from North Admiral for the Premier Crew. Correct. And then we have a, the final designation, which would be the top designation, is Grand Cru. Grand Cru, and that would be like wines from my backyard. There you go. <laughs>
7: Or maybe I, from Waters Winery. Yes. Grand Cru and Wala-Wala. So I hope
3: our listeners understand all of that. Um, this is sort of a, a, it's a collector's corner, but we want to be sure all of our, our listeners can follow along. And I'm speaking with Ken Abedizian of Cordon Selections, talking about collector's wines um, here on Happy Hour Radio. Um, coming up next on our show is uh, the Fresh Food Focus with Robert Cugini from a very fancy food and wine group called La Chenero Rota Seurs. We'll finish the day with some spirits in the sky with Lenny Reddy from Esquin Wine and Spirits here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Looking for fresh marketing ideas? Find them with Christopher Chan and Happy Hour Radio. Just click happyhourradio.net and connect with him today. That's happyhourradio.net. And stay tuned for Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan, right here on 570
6: KVI. If an individual student athlete or team wins a high school state championship, it's an amazing thing. It's also just the icing on the cake. That's because young people in Washington who participate in education-based athletics are already winners. Studies show that win or lose, participation helps to impart skills they can use to enjoy greater success in other areas of their lives. School sports teach the benefits of teamwork, the value of self-motivation, and the importance of accountability. They also help to foster stronger work habits and higher levels of self-esteem. In other words, the true value of school sports can't be measured in terms of wins or losses. If an individual or team goes to state, it's an incredible accomplishment. But regardless of the outcome, today's student-athletes are already destined to go far. School sports, a winning part of a complete education. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington Secondary School Athletic Administrators Association.
2: The glass is always half full. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio with the Commodore of Cocktails, Christopher Chan. (laughs) Welcome back to Happy Hour. I always wanted
3: to be a Commodore and, uh, you know, play some music. But uh, we're talking today with Ken Abedizian here in our collector's corner. Uh, Ken, a lot of people sit on wine, but they don't know why. And I always um, liken it to making chili. How long does it take for that chili to to be perfect? It's like three to four or five days. Um, and so that's kind of like aging wine, but in a different fashion, right? Yes, it is. And so if I wanted to speed that up, like microwave the chili, <laughs> how would I get that wine to be I mean, I can't wait. I'm so impatient. I bought that special bottle two years ago. I know I'm supposed to wait, but I want it to be perfect now because it's my anniversary. What do I
7: do? Well, if you've been to a restaurant and you have that last sip of the, the bottle of wine that's been open for a couple of hours, and that last glass is so delicious, what you want to do is you want to get make that happen. What I tend to do is decant wine early. The younger it is, the bigger, more chewy the wine is, decant it earlier. Because you can you can open it up, you can taste it and see how it's tasting, and then decant it. And typically, just opening a bottle doesn't do anything to bring any air to the wine. You really need to get a decanter, splash decant it, put it back into the bottle, and then have, say do that a couple hours before, depending on how how big and chewy the wine is. And you can taste it. You know, over the course of the next couple of hours while you're waiting for dinner or to sit down and have a drink or whatever. So, you're tell me,
3: do why it. does pouring it in a decanter matter? I mean, do I have to have something really fancy glass or will nope. my Just, pitcher do?
7: You, you, should, you should use glass because okay. you don't want it to have any interaction with the container you're putting it into. So, you can get some residual flavor issues if you use plastic or metal. So, okay, it's, it's so. best to use glass. And what does
3: decanting do? What's the, the physics of it?
7: Oxygen. Oxygen. oxygen, oxygen, oxygen. It just starts that oxidation process of of oxidizing the wine, which brings out a lot of the flavor.
3: Love is like oxygen. We in all need case, it. <laughs> this is case. So it's so funny because we're talking about antioxidants in the world and. Wine, red wine has resveratrol, which is a good antioxidant, yet here we are decanting it, adding oxygen. That's right. Oh, boy. But that makes it better, right? It makes it. So for everybody at home, I want you to play with your wine. You can play sommelier, too. Um, take that wine, taste it first, pour a little in a glass, and then decant it. Pour it in a glass pitcher or a decanter or a vase or something, and then try it a little later. You'll be surprised. You'll be impressed, amazed at how different that wine will taste. And I trust, trust me, trust Ken, that it'll taste better. That's good advice, Ken. I like it. So um, our collector's
7: corner wraps up with the
3: Alessandro
7: Veglio Barolo, Barolo. Gatera. uh huh, and then the, and the Domaine de Croix Pertoiseau Premier Cru Burgundy.
3: So you buy these, you'll be like the wine genius of uh, of your neighborhood. And uh, those are, sound like amazing wines. Thanks for bringing them. Good to chat with you in our collector's corner. Um, I hope you had a good time on Happy Hour. Definitely had a good time. Thanks, Christopher. Fantastic. Next up, um, here's our fresh food focus. So each week, um, or every other week, we'll be talking about some fresh food, what's happening in the world, uh, the culinary world, the gastronomy world. Um, That's French for kind of culinary. I guess they're both French words, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I've got Robert Cugini here with um, a very fancy food and wine group. That if you are interested out there, if you want to, if you like great food and great wine and some camaraderie and and just having overall fun, uh, there's a group out here which I personally belong to for the last 13 years. It's called La Chaine de Rotisseurs or the Rotisserie Train Chain, <laughs> Rotisserie Chain. Or the party train, but it's Lachen de Rotisseurs, and I've got Robert Cugini, who is uh, now leading the Seattle chapter of uh Le Chien de Rochasseurs. Welcome, Robert
5: Thank you Thank you
3: so tell me um, tell us tell us history about Lachenne. It sounds really too fancy could I, can I join
5: this? Yes, absolutely. you know it has a long history. It was actually originally the Goose Roasters Guild uh, founded by Louis the Ninth in twelve. Forty eight. Uh Whoa. That's pretty old. That's really old. Really old. So the Goose Roasters Guild, huh? Yes. I like goose. It's not just for Christmas anymore. Well, in fifteen oh nine it was granted a royal chart uh charter and uh it kind of evolved into all uh meats. Uh so it wasn't just goose. And this is a, um as I understand it, the first
3: actually culinary association or Yes. Yeah. So yes, the it goose was. roasters for King Louis the Ninth back yes. in 1248. Right. For his coronation or wedding or something. Yes. Wow. So, so. if you want to party like a king, you have to join Les Cheneaux Toussois. And um, is this a, a local thing? Is it still in France?
5: Is it America? Is it everywhere? It's actually worldwide, and it has about uh, 25,000 members um, uh, in worldwide. Uh, it has about uh, 7,000 members in the United States, and our local chapter has about 120 members. The Seattle chapter has 120? Mm-hmm. Is there a secret handshake or
3: secret secret toast or something? Uh, there's ribbons. <laughs> <laughs> ribbons? Yes.
5: Ah. So, so <laughs> tell me about these ribbons for Le Chendro Tussure. Well, the ribbons are kind of symbolic, and they uh, uh, per, show different rank. And/or uh, involvement in the Shen. So the colors change as you uh, 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 become a member.
3: I see. So, uh, in simpler terms, it's really the Boy Scout badges for what you do in this fancy food and wine group, right? Exactly. And I personally wear a purple and gold one because I'm a Husky. Well, because I'm a wine professional, but I'm a Husky too. Go, dogs. But uh, which color do you wear?
5: Well, I have a blue ribbon now, and uh, as I become BaE later in the year, hopefully, um, I will get a red ribbon. So Well so, actually, excuse me, red if I become national and green if I'm local.
3: So fun. So if I were to look online, could I see how this stuff works out online? Seattle Shen, And Shen is C-H-A-I-N-E. Correct. SeattleShenn.com. We're speaking with Robert Cugini, who is uh, Your title, sir? My title uh-huh. is Vice Concierge Gastronomique. Uh, right I now. love this group. We all get fancy titles. We get to wear ribbons. And most importantly, we drink good food. Oh, wait. <laughs> Enjoy great food, good company, and fantastic wines. And I understand the Shen
5: has a cellar. It does, and that's one of – not all chapters have cellars, but the Seattle chapter has a wonderful cellar. And uh, so um, when you join, you uh, contribute to the cellar in in your dues, your joining dues, Mm -hmm. and then uh, that uh, wine is then uh, provided for the dinners that we have. Uh, And I have to speak from personal
3: experience. We just had a a fantastic dinner about three weeks ago um, at – Cedar Brook Lodge. That's correct. SeaTac, and if you uh. haven't been there, you must try um, Chef, uh, Mark. Uh, Chef Mark, Chef Mark, yes. Chef Mark, and Chef Roy yep. put together a fantastic eight-course tasting menu, and we had some some fantastic wines, some sparkling, some uh, Washington wines, some French wines, some uh, California I, wines. They were they were mostly Washington wines. Oh gosh! Yeah. Oh, they were so good. They tasted <laughs> French. <laughs> Oh, love it. Um, this is a fun group. I know it sounds like it's all uh, fancy, and in a way, it is it is a little fancy, but it's fun fancy. It's like going out for dinner with a bunch of great friends and being sure you have a good time. Um, I love the organization called La Shen de If you're interested in checking it out, it's at Seattle Shen, C-H-A-I-N-E, dot com. Um, so what's coming up? Uh, what else do you do? You just don't
5: eat and drink and be married, do you? Well, we Try to do that a lot, but we also do uh, a lot of interesting things. Uh, we have a young chef and a young sommelier competition that is actually goes international. And so um, you would start in in local region, and uh, it's judged, and uh, then you go on to regional, and from regional to national, and from national to uh, uh, international. I see. So. Um this organization actually supports the industry. It does.
3: That's really cool because, you know, who else does that these days? I mean, this group of people who want to c- get together and, and have uh, great food, great wine, great camaraderie also contribute in helping young people um, elevate themselves in the industry. So we have a Young Sommelier competition here for Seattle and the Pacific Northwest region. But we also have a a Young, uh, how is it? Com- June Comie. June that's right. And that's French for Young uh, Cook, I believe.
5: Yes. Um, so... Has anybody won from our region? Yes, and we have done quite well in the past. That's right. So you're joining a winning team,
3: a winning <laughs> franchise here. You're right. We've had some, uh, uh, actually, the national sommeliers and uh, international uh, first, second, third place uh, winners. Um, La Chandra, Chandra Rotesur supports local uh, food and beverage industry. That's cool. Um,
5: what events you got coming up? Uh, well, we... You know one of the things that we do is we have partner restaurants uh, a few partner restaurants and so uh the the current partners that we have are all of ours off Broadway and um uh steelhead and blue acre and so there's going to be an event coming up at blue acre and um and then uh we have a couple of other events scheduled that are uh somewhat internal we're going to some have some
3: annual events yes, yeah. So Fun. So if you are interested in um, rubbing elbows with people who love good food and good wine, check out SeattleShen.com. And if you like great food, I mean, Kevin Davis over at Blue Acre does good stuff with uh, seafood of every type and sort. I love his oysters. In fact, he's got one of the best happy hours. You heard it here. Happy Hour Radio. Um, the Chandra Rocha Store has good food, good wine, good camaraderie. They benefit the community by providing scholarships and opportunities for young people to enhance them, their professional careers. And uh, they wear ribbons and have <laughs> make <laughs> merry. I love it. Um, we're here with Robert Cugini. I want to thank you for coming on board um, and vice Concilière Gastronomique? That's close get, enough. Okay. <laughs> i got to work on my French. Listening to Happy Hour Radio on KVI 570 AM. Coming up next is uh, my friend Lenny Reddy from Esquin Wine and Spirits. We're going to talk about uh, my Spirits in the Sky segment, some cool local
0: spirits he's got
3: on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Looking for fresh marketing ideas? Find them with Christopher Chan and Happy Hour Radio. Just click happyhourradio.net and connect with him today. That's happyhourradio.net. And stay tuned for Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan, right here on 570 KVI.
1: Have you watched a friend, neighbor, or family member struggle to get in and out of their home because they need a reliable wheelchair ramp? The Master Builders Care Foundation's Rampathon program wants to help. For the past 20 years, Rampathon has built free wheelchair ramps for disabled homeowners in King and Snohomish counties, giving life-changing mobility to over 300 families. The Master Builders Care Foundation volunteers spend one Saturday each May building free wheelchair ramps Low income homeowners in King and Snohomish counties. This event gives housebound children and adults a kind of freedom they haven't had sometimes for years. If you would like to help a neighbor or family member receive a free ramp, log on to rampathon.org or call 1 800 522 2209. Applications are due February 28, 2014. That's rampathon.org. Rampathon is sponsored by Home Street Bank.
2: Grab a stool. You're listening to Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio, with master mixologist Christopher Chan.
3: <laughs> Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I'm um, very pleased to uh, have my guests previously, the Winery of the Week with Jamie Brown, Waters Winery, um, our collector's corner with Ken Abedizian of Cordon Selections, and our last guest, Robert Cugini of La I know that's very fancy, um, but trust me, folks, it's a lot of fun. So check it out. Don't be intimidated. Um, If you like good food and good wine, uh, check out SeattleShin.com. But right now, it's time for some cocktails. And I've got my friend Lenny Reddy from Esquin Wine and Spirits here. We're going to chat up a little bit about uh, what Lenny's done in his career and then about the world of spirits. Hey, Lenny, welcome to Happy Hour. Welcome. Thank you so much. Fantastic. So um, you've been a longtime food and beverage culinary professional. Tell me uh,
8: about you. Oh, I uh, got started in the kitchen as a chef and uh, worked my way up through the restaurants and the kitchens and whatnot. Uh, ended up owning my own restaurant up on top of Queen Anne. Uh, you know, ended up owning my own restaurant up top of Queen Anne called Sapphire. Um, and after I sold my restaurant, I retired to the wine business um, for a while. And uh, I've done everything from uh, teach at Le Bleu to... Uh, teach at South Seattle Community College in the Wine Technology Program.
3: Cool. Wow. So uh, you're a restaurant owner, chef, mm-hmm. now you're in the wine business, mm-hmm. and you're also in
8: academia, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. At Yep. Where's Cordon Bleu? Well, Cordon Bleu here helped open it. Uh, it was uh, down, it's down in Tukwila. Uh, Cordon Bleu made famous. Uh, Julia Child, of course, mm-hmm. went there, and and uh, they now have campuses all over the world, in Australia, England. You know, Paris, and helped open the one here. And
3: it's a cooking school or a culinary yeah. academy, right? Yeah,
8: culinary school for professionals that want to go and become chefs. And got to teach there with some of the best chefs in the city. Fantastic! It was,
3: really I fun. I love. Um, my re- my background too was in restaurants in 30 years like you, uh, from busboy to uh, breakfast butler to room service, and um, I didn't do the cooking though. I went to the bar side, and I'm excited about uh, the world of wine and spirits. <laughs> That's why I guess I got a show called Happy Hour Radio. <laughs> so you
8: started uh, at Wine World and Spirits, right? Or yep. Wine World Warehouse. Yeah, we opened up uh, Wine World a couple of years ago, and. Uh, Made the transition to Esquin. They made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Uh, and so I'm now the European specialist for Esquin Wine and Spirits.
3: That's cool. Um, Esquin's just a great store. I've been going there forever. They helped me with the Seattle Wine Awards and the Oregon Wine Awards. Um, great people and um, some fantastic prices. Uh, we're talking about um, wine right now, but let's, let's talk about the world of spirits. And uh, you brought something for us to discuss,
8: taste? Well, right now probably the most exciting thing that's happening in Washington Seattle is the spirits and with the change in the liquor laws a few years back, uh it's opened up the a floodgate. We've now, I mean, 250 plus craft distillers in the state. How many? 250? Really? And so it is just well, some of these guys are small, you know, kind of bootstrapping it out of the garage with little pot stills and <laughs> some of these guys are like the one I brought Westland, these guys are doing it right. They're down at First Avenue South. Um, they're just releasing their first uh, batches. Uh, they specialize in single malt whiskey. And so this is Westland Distillery? Westland Distillery. They're on First Avenue. And uh, they specialize in, in single malt whiskey. Um, they've they've got three releases so far. Um, their flagship, which is their basic two-row malt uh, single malt whiskey. Their Deacon Seat, which is their premier batch. And then they're just getting ready to release a peated single malt.
3: So they're whiskey makers?
8: Yes. Okay, so um, let's talk about whiskey. What makes whiskey? whiskey, What is whiskey? Well, whiskey basically is distilled beer, to put it simply. Um, uh, Brandy is distilled wine. You you start with a base, distill it. You start with a base-fermented beverage. If you want to make uh, brandy, you take wine and you boil it and capture that alcohol. That's the distillation process. If you want to make uh, uh, whiskey, um, it's uh, basically you start with a grain, a fermented grain beverage, beer in this case, and then you take that fermented beverage and you distill it.
3: So I could actually make whiskey if I took a bunch of Miller High Life and put it in a a big pot and Uh, then warmed it up? (laughs)
8: Um, Technically, yes, but uh, (laughs) one of the big differences between the mash that goes, the mash is the 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 beer the ferment uh, for uh, whiskey versus beer is the lack of hops you put uh, hops into okay. beer because uh, beer and one of the things that people forget and is that beer is actually really sweet and so you can pair a dark porter with uh, a brownie you know both, right. and you can have one of the best dessert beverages out there is beer. Okay, so and, we'll
3: step back a second. So in the world of spirits, there's alcohol that starts out with yeast-eating sugar, mm-hmm. and sometimes mixed, everything's have sugar, apples and grains, corn. Like That's how they make high-fructose corn syrup. That's sweet. Potatoes. Um, so we're talking about whiskey. In this case, we use corn or rye, perhaps. It's a rye whiskey. There's a wheat whiskey. There's corn whiskey. In Washington, or excuse me, in the United States, basically most of it's corn, correct?
8: Well, bourbon, which is... American whiskey uh, by law has to be fifty one percent corn, okay, and then it's usually made up of uh, some combination of uh, barley barley malt it's for yeah. complexity,
3: right so mm-hmm. they make it so it has a little more flavor and compounds and okay okay mm-hmm. case- so we've we've fermented this corn and barley, and now we've got what we call a sort of a beer, and it's mm-hmm. kind of sweet
8: mm-hmm.
3: we haven't added hops which are bitter. So that's why you make IPAs, a real bitter... Be- okay,
8: I got it, got it. Because if you were to take an IPA, for example, and distill it, you'd end up with a really bitter distillate. True. So you don't really you don't want to concentrate that flavor. Okay,
3: so we got this whiskey, and this is made from... You brought Deacon Seat mm-hmm. whiskey Deacon's, yeah. from Westland Distillery.
8: So a little bit about Westland Distillery. Um, Westland Distillery is locally owned, and uh, the family actually is out of Hoquiam. And uh, and they come out of the lumber business and uh, pulp and paper. And when Emerson, who's the president and CEO of Wesson Distillery, when he was about eight years old, his father uh, came to him and said, "You know, it doesn't look like there's a big future for lumber and pulp and paper. And and uh, you know, you better figure out what you want to what you want to do with the company and where you want to take the family business." And Emerson came up with the idea of doing uh, doing single malt whiskey. Instead now, of ethyl alcohol, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, single malt is unique in that when we talk about like single malt, usually the term is used when in terms of Scotch, right? Right, because single malt Scotch means it comes from a single malted barley, a single grain.
3: Single grain. Okay, so, so that that's good. We have Scotch whiskey, mm-hmm. we have Irish whiskey, mm-hmm. we have Canadian whiskey, we have American whiskey, and we have bourbon.
8: Mm-hmm. That's, does that cover everything? That's just about yeah. it. Okay. and you know because uh, and bourbon again. By law, it has to be 51% corn. That's one of the big differences between bourbon and the single malt is this is all malted barley, right? So your so
3: Deacon Seat whiskey is single malt barley. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, I'm following.
8: Right, and so Washington State, we are famous for our barley, for our two-row, two-row barley. It's part of the reason why we have such a great craft, uh, craft beer. You know, We're famous for our craft beer up here, ah. and part of that is because not only do we have the best hops, but we also have some of the best two-row malt. Now, there's uh, without getting too geeky, there's uh, a lot of the malt on the east coast is uh, called six-rower, you know, and it's a it's a different type of malt, and it doesn't quite as good. Okay, it? we won't get too geeky. Okay, we won't get too <laughs> geeky. But um, and so single malt Scotch and what makes Scotch Scotch versus Irish whiskey? It's uh, but, distilled in Scotland. Well, there's that, but uh, the big thing is is that the the peat is uh, baked because you got to bake the barley malt. Okay,
3: so let's step back. Scotland, okay. in the mm-hmm. early days, mm-hmm. they liked their whiskey, which is derived from the Gaelic "uisge bay, bay, water of life. Mm-hmm. And so in the early days, they started chopping down all the trees because that's what burned really well. After yeah. a while, they ran out of trees, and then they figured out Peat moss. Because yeah. Scotland is like half bog, and those islands like Isla and Orkney have a lot of peat moss, which have been pounded and compounded over years. It's now like charcoal. Yep. And that's peat. Okay. Peat.
8: And they use that as a heat source to what? To to dry the to dry their barley malt. Because right. you have to dry the toast the malt. What makes a dark beer dark is the toast on the on the barley, and then you malt that barley, which is basically sprouting. The barley converting to, the sugars, converting starches the sugars, into, sugars. into sugars. Yeah. Okay. You, complex- f- you, f- you following along out there, Happy Hour Land? <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty geeky, but the uh, but you convert those uh, complex starches into complex carbohydrates into simple sugars that are easier to ferment.
3: All right. So we're now making beer mm-hmm. out of one single barley
8: from Washington. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. So what happens next? And then you know, and then the next big process of after you dry and you, you dry that. Uh, barley malt, what the peat does is it adds a smoky quality to it. Uh-huh. Instead of being oven-dried or kiln-dried, the, the smoky quality is what gives scotch its distinctive taste. Ah, it's that peat smoke. That's what's unique mm-hmm. to Scotland. Yeah. Got it. But what Westland is doing is they're making a peated malt, single malt whiskey, and uh, you've got some right in front you've of you.
3: You've poured me some in this beautiful glass. So Tell me about this glass. It's a, a lovely shape. It looks like a tulip.
8: Yes, it's a schwarzweizel, and it's actually a tasting glass for for tasting. Do you have a guzzling glass? <laughs> um, those are at home. Okay, <laughs> Okay. so we're here with Lenny Reddy from Esquin Wine and
3: Spirits, one of my pals in the spirits world, uh, chatting up about Westland Deacon Seat Single Malt American Whiskey Brewed, or it's actually it's brewed and distilled, Right here in Seattle on 1st Avenue. He's poured me a little touch uh, in my Schwarzwiesel. <laughs> Schwarzwiesel. Schwarzwiesel. Okay. So this is a beautiful color. First of all, it's a golden amber. Um, it just diffuses to the, the rim to be a light yellow. Um, it's beautiful on the glass. This glass really allows you to see the color very well. And the, the aroma? Mm. the aroma smells like uh, pecans and uh, orange rind and dried apricot. and mm, it's delicious. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely amazing.
8: And it's it's really, they're doing it right. When you go down to Westland Distillery, it's a beautiful facility. Uh, they've got the probably the, one of the largest uh, um, stills outside of Kentucky. They've actually really invested in the barrels. They're using full-size barrels, new American oak. Uh, mm. They're getting used uh, sherry barrels. They're really doing it right. I just
3: took a sip of this. This is phenomenal. I have yet to uh, taste... Um, some of our domestic uh, whiskeys and spirits um, to be this good, this complex, and this smooth. Yeah, it, it takes a long time for that, but they've done it. in What two years?
8: No, no, no. They've been they, they've been distilling as soon as uh, they could get the licenses. So okay. five years. Ah, oh, that's why they've just barely released. The, these whiskies. Mm. And a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of people out there in rushing to get their whiskies out into market and they're taking some shortcuts. These guys are doing it right. They're taking the time. They'll sell no whiskey before it's time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, and this is really delicious. Um, it's very smooth. It's got um, warm amber tone and uh, the apricot, toasted almonds, walnuts, pecans, um, just a bit of um, maltiness. And that peat smoke comes out. It's the... Uh, how do you describe peat smoke? It's one of those odd things in the world. If you ever smell scotch, I guess that's really peat smoke.
8: Yeah, it, and it gives you that little bit... Um, I mean, it always reminds me of, uh, of uh, camping and campfire. Oh, yeah. You makes know, sense. And, yeah. You know, it, it always, a little campfire in your glass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's a yeah, good it, thing. It, yeah, but it, it's that smell of sitting around the campfire.
3: Mm, and so uh, is that the bottle? Because that looks um, like a
8: half bottle. Um, the, the Deacon Seat comes in a smaller bottle. This actually hasn't been released. The peated, oh. the peated single malt has not been re- Well, worked.
3: Happy Hour Radio, we are tasting an
8: unreleased single malt. Yeah, because it, it it's, uh, they're still waiting on it, so it's a little preview. I like this job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: mm, so um, what does a bottle like this anticipate to cost? I know that great whiskey um, in Scotland is uh, rather expensive, but it's so good that it lingers on the palate. The more complex it is... Um, the more you appreciate it because it's just like something to
8: sit and relax. You don't gulp this stuff. This is really this is sophistication in the glass. Yes. Um um I, I don't know what the release price is gonna be. It's probably gonna be somewhere between fifty and sixty five dollars, I would assume. You know, which for, you know, a full size bottle of uh, of whiskey isn't too bad.
3: Well this is killer. You know what I'd like to do is um Next week, I've got Dr. Bill Lumpson coming in, who is the master distiller of Glen Moranji, oh. And I want uh, you to leave me a little sample of this so I can share it with them. Oh, I'd love it. Off to. radio, of course, but I think you'll get a kick out of it, because this is really wonderful. Um, we are here uh, with in our Spirits in the Sky segment on Happy Hour Radio. I'm chatting with Lenny Reddy from Esquin Wine and Spirits, and um, we're talking about Westland, Deconceit American Whiskey, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Westland, this
8: one Westland Distillery.
3: Yeah, Westland Distillery. Yeah. Great stuff. I thank you for sharing it, Lenny. It's good to see you. Um, it's been a great happy hour. Did you like it?
8: Yeah. Will you come back
3: again and talk to me? Anytime. Fantastic. So I want to thank all our guests Jamie Brown, Ken Abadizian, Robert Cagini, and Letty Rainey. Lenny ready. Mmm, that stuff's so good. Uh, <laughs> hey, next week, like I said, we got Dr. Bill Lumpson, Master Distiller for Glenn Marangi, uh Chef John Howey from Sport and Sea Star is going to chat about his NFL experience at the Super Bowl. And um, uh, Reggie uh, Dagno from uh, Northwest Wine Academy. Hey, folks, find us online, happyhourradio.net. If you want to ask a question, it's simple ask at happyhourradio.net. That's the show today. I'm your host, Christopher Chan. I'll see you outside next week on Happy Hour Radio.